So if you are just coming to this episode for the first time, note that this is part two of a higher level series that we call Setting the Scales to No Regrets. Part one was about balancing your ambition with your personal well-being because as a lazy overachiever, it's really important to balance, pun intended, in all the different ways. Um, For some of you who are brand, brand new, you probably don't know that I am a balance and relationship advisor with a background as a trauma specialist, a psychotherapist, relationship expert, breakthrough success coach, metaphysician, and so many other hats that I don't necessarily wear as individual stacks. They have all been beautifully mediumed into one. When you think of like mixed media arts and you you have textures and, and layers and, and paint and crochet, what do you call it? Crochet paper and all kinds of different things to make this one beautiful masterpiece. That is what my skills, my tools, my techniques have all led me to under the balance and relationship hat, advisor hat that I wear. So last uh, series, last episode, excuse me, we talked about balancing ambition with your personal well-being. And I kind of want to continue on that, but um, coming a little bit more from a business angle and going deeper, most of you listening to this are entrepreneurs, founders, or entrepreneurial thinkers in the way that you lead inside your organizations and systems, whichever way that you're performing um, in an organizational hierarchy regardless of director, VP, CEO, CXO, COO, whatever the C-suites and the VPs are, but you're leading with that entrepreneurial spirit of having to really create solutions to problems that weren't necessarily yours, but ones that you're choosing to tackle, which is what entrepreneurs do. We look for gaps in the market. We look for for problems that existed that maybe we haven't created, but ways that we can fill that gap with our solutions in whichever way that is. So in that spirit, I really want to talk in this episode mostly about quality over quantity. So quality time is a big thing that comes up. I work with power couples and potent humans. Uh, Again, potent humans are those women founders, entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurial leaders. That's pretty much how I umbrella them um, that are very serious about their mission. They're very mission-driven visionaries in various ways. Quality time is a big issue, especially when we talk about the intimate relationships that people want to have that make them feel whole, fulfilled, blissful. Because you and I both know if you are unhappy at home in the bedroom, you are likely to be unhappy in the boardroom. You might be efficient, but you're not as effective as you could be because you're unhappy. And a lot of it is because we keep setting our mindsets to think that if we can't spend X number of hours, days, or weeks canoodling, cuddling, being underneath of, or doing something for someone else, that we might as well just wait and and do this other thing. I hear it a lot. People will say, oh, Nikita, I'm so busy building this business, building this career, building this project. I'm so busy building that I don't have room for, for balance, which is ironic and ineffective. The reason that I say that is when you think about those moments, and hopefully you've had some of those across the span of your lifetime, when you've been extremely joyful, not just happy, but joyful, and you feel really good in your body and you're coming home in conversations, whether it's a forever lover or a really good friend on the phone, 
via text message, preferably in person, and especially if they live with you, and you're laughing and you're having good nostalgic conversations where you're reflecting of old days, but not because you want to live in the good old days, but because you're making more good memories in that moment through the laughter and the shared conversation you're having with that human, again, forever lover or not, that brings you into another space where you can be more creative, more impactful, more effective. Your executive function, part of your brain, the wires are going off because of the various ways that you're triggering such other good parts of your everything. I'll just say that. There's so much nerding that we can do, but I don't want I don't want the show to turn into that. I want to be really mindful. I nerd out enough in other platforms. <laughs> so here, I just want you to be be in a space of quality. All you need, 20 minutes. 20 minutes. If you can give more than 20 minutes to your forever lover, to your child who's seeking like attentive 20 minutes, I'm not talking about the functional things you have to do to survive. Your cooking is probably going to take more than 20 minutes. Your doing your laundry is going to take 20 minutes. Your keeping a clean house is going to take 20 minutes. I'm not talking about the transactional things that we do to survive and keep a clean home and keep clean bodies and be in good hygiene and, you know, things that people have to do to get through school. So uh, child protective services doesn't show up at your house because you have to help your kid with homework and all that. I'm not talking about that. Those are transactional things that we need to do to survive and participate in this world as we do, at least in whatever part of the world that you're in, right? I am talking about that time and energy when your niece or nephew who never sees you except for Christmas, they want more than just a hug, hey, auntie, hey, uncle, right? They want you to talk to them. And even if they're in that stage where they you know, feel like they can really care less, they remember it. Because I know I remember it. I am well past my 20s and 30s. The 40s. I'm well, well, well past that. And I still remember when my Aunt Wanda sat me down and just said, How are you? What's going on? Who are you dating? What's happening? What's happening with this? What's happening with that? I remember that when I was like 15, 16 years old. Those things do stay. In the moment, I probably gave all of the face and all of the energy of like, Ugh, I don't want to talk about this. You're an aunt. You're old. You don't understand. But I do remember it. I remember her carving out time for me. That matters. Even if it took me 20 years for it to matter, it mattered. But creating those moments, 20 minutes. So when you look at your life, who's in it, if you happen to have a forever lover, um, that you're in a monogamous relationship, if you happen to have a child, children, nieces, nephews that you want to create those bonds with whenever you're able to, Proximity is great when we have that option. You don't have to wait till Christmas time when they're home from college, right? Or from the holidays when they're home from school or when you happen to be in town. You can send a message. One of my nephews is at Hampton U and I don't get to see him nearly as much as I would love to in person or other. So every once in a blue, instead of just going through my husband, who's his biological uncle and saying, you know, have you talked to our nephew today? You know, blah, blah, blah. I will send him a message. Hey, thinking about you. I love you. Send a one one sentence short prayer. Um, sometimes it's an actual like, what's going on with you and so and so. 
who you dealing with, you know, what's going on with your school, uh, maybe a project that he had recently talked about, even if it was a couple of months back. Like, how did that go? How did that work out? Did you need any feedback? Do you need any support? When they're doing surveys, who can I connect you with in my network to help complete the surveys? It can be little stuff like that, but quality over quantity wins every single time, especially in your business. Now, what I alluded to into part one, which again, if you haven't heard that, please stop this, go back to that and listen, and then come back to this particular episode. When we think about this year and all that's going on, you know, as of the time of this recording, I can't even count how many social platforms are available to us as business people, but especially if you have an online product like a digital course or a membership or any of those things. From LinkedIn to Facebook to Pinterest to Twitter, if you're still on Twitter, to threads, to Instagram, to YouTube, and I'm probably missing at least two or three. I just, I can't keep up. And we're in a place in our business, fortunately, where we don't have to do all the pieces of social media. But at the end of the day, the content is still me. It's still coming from me. And I need to be integrity with my body with my mind and my spirit so that I can show up when I do interviews, when other people shows, guest articles, guest features, when I'm in my own platform of the Balance Boldly podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. If you haven't heard it, check it out. It's everywhere. Um, And it's been everywhere since 2016. Or to here, the Lazy Overachiever show, which as of the date of this recording is our brand new show that happens to include video, right? (laughs) I had a moment where I was literally thinking about my husband being like, oh, you're so cheesy, which he said in jest because we love each other. That being said, you wanna make sure that you're not getting overwhelmed with trying to be in quantity with all the places. Doing things that can repurpose the quality is where I would encourage you to focus. If you have, I know we hear it all the time, have the one platform, but the people who are saying have the one platform are on all the platforms. Pay attention to how they're on all the platforms. We use something, you don't have to use this. I am not an ambassador or affiliate, but we use something called SmarterQ for our social presence. It helps us look omnipresent. It helps us when it makes us look like we're in business when we take a six-week micro sabbatical that the whole company takes every single year for the last 10 plus of our almost 13 years in business. It makes us look like we're present when we take our winter solstice sabbatical at the end of the year for about three weeks every single year since the beginning of our business in 2011. It helps us look like we're moving and grooving when I'm taking uh, permission to pause breaks that are longer than the 20 minutes or the two minutes that I talked about in the other episode. Uh, Or when I have to travel, if I'm going out of the country and you got one to two days of travel on the front end, then you're actually in your convention, your retreat, wherever it is that you're doing. And I'm specifically talking about work, but this applies to personal as well. You don't necessarily want to be anchored to your phone or your tablet or your PC or your laptop or your whatever. And then I have one to two days of traveling on the back end, especially when we're talking about international travel to get back to recalibrate from the jet lag difference, even with all the nutritional things that help you minimize that time, you still need a moment. I don't want to step off a plane ever and have to run on a stage or run into a team meeting or run into an interview. That is not good, Nikita. 
once in a blue, you do what you got to do. But for that to be a trend, mm -mm. so I have to block dedicated time for that travel on the end of everything as well as on the beginning. Not to mention if I want to tack on a day or two at the end of international travel so I can actually experience this part of the world that I'm in for work and being able to be in integrity with that. The way that I the way that I can do it is looking at, okay, I did this video interview. Yes, we know you can splice it into, I don't know, how many, how many 30 second, two minute clips can you get out of a half an hour, right? Like how many ways can you do that? Like, yes, you can splice it that way. But what if it wasn't just about the video editing splicing piece? What if it was listening and re-listening, which I didn't do for years, y'all. I will be honest. I was one of those people that would show up channel whatever was happening within the wheelhouse of my expertise and whatever God was giving me, say it. Don't ask me to repeat it because I don't remember what I said. I know what's real. I know what's true. It's coming from my inner brilliance. Y'all better roll with it. And I would never listen to it again. And then people would share with me, this just happened the other day at the time of this recording, where someone was like, oh, I was listening to this podcast episode and you said all these phenomenal things that I just felt like you were just talking to me about self-love and self-care and balance and relationships and intimacy and boundaries and all this stuff. And I just felt like you were talking to me. This particular human works in corporate, haven't talked to her in multiple years. Um, it's a really, really good human, by the way, but just given a little context, had talked to her in the episode because I record somewhere between six and eight guest features a month, not including my own two shows um, and all the other things that I have going on, I was thinking she was talking about something that had just released like the day before we reconnected on LinkedIn. Um, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that because you know I have a through line of my expertise and the conversations that people tend to have with me and the questions they tend to ask me. Um, and I don't review questions ahead of time. So if you ever invite me to be on anything, do not bother Prepare for yourself for sure, but do not bother sharing any questions for me because that puts me, it pushes me into that perfectionistic side of me where I feel like I need to over-prepare and not trust myself. And there is a balance to that. Um, I prepare by knowing my stuff, by staying on top of the various hats that I have that are all integrated into this beautiful medium. I stay on top of my CEUs for trauma. I stay on top of my CEUs for my, my licensees. I stay on top of my CEUs for the various other aspects. I continue to enroll in more learning, not only for the specific targeted areas that I'm known for, but for those things that I know can stretch me and that I'm interested in. I'm a nerd for life. And part of that makes me feel really good when I show up and I don't know the questions and I don't need to tap into perfectionism in order to feel eloquent or articulate or any of those other things. I trust me. And if I stumble over a word, if I make up a word to get the point across with a Nikitaism, it is okay because trust and believe you felt it, right? You understood what I was talking about. And that's me trusting my inner brilliance, the 99% of the time that I trust. And the 1% I don't is typically where I make a mistake. It's typically where I hire someone, I onboard someone, I accept a client, I have a consult where someone says yes, and I'm like, let's go. And they turn out not to be the thing because I wasn't, I was in that 1%. I wasn't trusting. And if I'm honest, it's usually because I'm moving too fast. I needed to slow down. It just happened to me not that long ago. We don't do um, 
COAs, which is confirmation of agreement, which is for some people looks like proposal to contract. We don't do those with people who came into us that asked for a consultation. We did not go outwards. Um, we didn't, you know, we don't cold call anyway, but we didn't reach out to them. They reached out to us for whatever reason. They saw me in a keynote. I led a retreat. I designed something for a team they worked on, whatever it was. And we have a consultation, which I call joy activation. Um, I activated them. They feel really good. They want to move forward in one of our various programs to work. We are not going to write up because it takes, because we customize everything, an hour plus confirmation of agreement for someone who's thinking about whether or not they want to do it. You have to give me a full yes before we move our resources to that next stage and give it. Happy to shoot you a little email of the bullet points that we talked about, like, you know, here it is. You said that you wanted a three-month program with that. We will do that. And then we'll, you know, if you are confirmed yes from that, then we will create the COA and, you know, all of the pay buttons and, you know, manage whether or not we're going to offer a payment plan and all that from there. But this particular person was like, yes, yes, let's go. Let's start next week. I'm excited. I'll be back from traveling. And I went ahead and I and they just needed the things because they wanted to be able to do stuff before they hit the airport. And then I went ahead and I put the resources into it to create the COA and the special onboarding emails. And I even got their expert file together. Like I did all the things that I would do with people who are certified yes clients and this person ghosted. They disappeared. I think they just got a little bit nervous over the investment, but it is an investment. Um, There was a time when I did things for a few hundred dollars, when I was in the early stages of my business, where I was really questioning my value, where I thought everything was about quantity. I needed a quantity of clients. I needed to have hundreds of this type of client for this program and hundreds of testimonials for that type of program and all these things. And I realized really fast that wasn't in alignment with my higher level mission and vision. It also wasn't in alignment with my energy, my rhythm and my body. And it wasn't in alignment with the type of business and the business model that I want to have, which meant that things needed to be set in a way that there was more premium value, but there was also a more premium investment attached to it. And I say this with love for the person who I hope is watching this. It is okay. It is okay if you change your mind. You should be in integrity and you should communicate when you have a change of mind, when you have someone working on the back end, not aware that you've changed your mind, be in integrity. But outside of that, it is okay People change their mind all the time. It's okay. You just have to ask yourself if you're okay with the cost of your inaction and not moving forward versus doing the the awkward, uncomfortable thing that actually will stretch you into your expansion. Either way, it is okay. And we are okay, even though I lost that hour plus of time, plus the follow-ups and all the things. With that said, quality over quantity, right? So coming back into... The way you could use something like a smarter cue, a Hootsuite, a uh, uh, meet, uh, what is it? Meet, is it meet every? I can't think of, because um, there's a meet every game that's a really phenomenal game. We have a lazy overachiever game on there, but there's also a, a meet something else. Meet Edgar, excuse me. Meet Edgar is another tool that's similar to, they all have their differences, but it's similar to SmarterQ that allows you to put things on in different categories, but also allows you to evergreen mode. That's where I was going with that. 
So evergreen mold is one of the best things that have been invented. It's phenomenal. I won't say it's the same as sliced bread, but it is very phenomenal. So what we do is we'll pull, you know, whether it's those spliced videos, those spliced audios, those um, infographics, the quotes, whatever it is that was meaty, that's coming from the great um, thought leadership that was shared on those various, just using interviews as an example or recordings as an example that was shared from there. We're able to take the pieces that didn't specifically talk about times of year, that didn't specifically talk about a date or an event that was coming up that didn't have an aspect of a um, a terminal uh, call to action, terminal as in it's only available for this time and then it's never coming back. Because if I say something is only available for the next 48 hours and it's, let's say, June 1st when I'm recording it, but I evergreened it by accident and it releases in December... Well, that's a misrepresentation, accidental or not, but it's a misrepresentation to someone who's watching or listening to that recording in December, thinking that they can jump on something that actually has since expired or ended. So we try really hard to be mindful of that, which means slowing down a little bit, re-listening to things, which again, I didn't do for years. I would just go and I would drop it because it was quantity. Everything was keep it moving. How many interviews can you do? How many this? How many that? How many this? And I realized the things that were producing the biggest results for us weren't the things that it was all about quantity. It was the right conversations. Sometimes, many times, it was long form conversations. So at least a half an hour. Um, I also learned that if the person interviewing me didn't have a great um, energy style to that person, because my energy is kind of high, this is this is very middle right now, but my energy is very, very high most of the time in terms of the output of of energy that I share with people. And if that person is more monotone or more low, that that our conversation is hard because then I feel like I'm doing a lot of work. So part of the quality for me is vetting the people who say yes when we have our podcast booking agency pitch me to shows and shows have to fit a certain criteria, blah, blah, blah. That's all well and good. And they say, yes, Nikita, you know, you were a good match for the show. Well, I have to listen to at least one or two of their interviews. Usually I pick something at the top. If let's say it's a podcast, not everything is, but if it's a podcast or YouTube show, I pick something that was in their earlier stages of their show and then another episode or two that's more recent for their show. So I can see their growth and their style and their difference. But I can also see if where they're showing up now, or at least at the time of the publication for whatever they aired recently, if that's in alignment with me. Because if it's not, I'm going to feel like there's a lot of work to be done for my energy. I'm probably not going to come into the interview as enthused as I would like to. Um, And it's going to reflect in my energy. It's going to reflect in my flow. Um, And therefore, the people, remember, if you listen to episode one of this two-part for setting the scales to no regret, then you know that there's leaks and there's allowances. I want to allow the good energy to flow and share to pe- share with people, whether through a screen, through an AirPod, through a radio, through paper, off the blog, you know, whatever it is. But I don't want to leak negativity. And if I'm feeling really uncomfort- uncomfortable, if I'm feeling very tight and very wound, I'm leaking that stiffness which is shifting the energy around even the most powerful of messages that I brought 
as a gift that day for whatever we were talking about in that topic. So quality does include you giving yourself permission to slow down, slow down and spend the 20 minutes with your kid or your lover, 20 minutes of not multitasking when you say, thank you. Thank you for taking out the trash today. Thank you for cleaning the bathroom. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being attentive and bringing me a cup of tea too when you went to refill yours. Thank you for taking the time to sit and play with the dog when I didn't have time to today. And I don't want the dog to feel neglected. Like, thank you. Whatever that is, like have a conversation. What's going on with you today? What did you dream about today? Just having a 20 minute conversation. If you can't have 20 minutes, start with five. Start with five. Two to five is always like my go-to when you just don't, but let it be a fully present two to five minutes and work your way to 20 minutes. 20 minutes a day with the people in your house is really important. And then you can kind of look at maybe 20 minutes a week, um, 20 minutes every couple of days if you have like an extended circle of kitchen table people, um, which I also talked about in episode one of of part one of this as well. Um, So just want to look at my notes again to make sure I'm getting all the alignment with you. Ah, yes. Hmm. On the business end, we talked about continuous learning. Um, We talked in episode one really about um, receiving feedback and being able to reflect and celebrate. We didn't lean as heavy on the feedback part, which helps with the quality When you think about, and this just happened to me, I'm the first partaker, I will tell on myself in a minute, feedback can be hard, guys, right? Like you can receive feedback from someone that you love and you trust and you honor and you admire and you're inspired by and all the things and be really irritated at the feedback they gave because it's not what you were hoping for or what you wanted. It just happened to me. I was the person who did not like the feedback. Right, that came from in my particular situation. It's my forever lover and soul half, who's also my business partner, and that can be really hard sometimes when we're switching hats. It's all workable, it's all doable, it's all fantastic when we think high level. But when you get into the incremental pieces, sometimes it can be really challenging. And what my husband told me was very valuable, helpful feedback from a um, a production standpoint. Where it was out of alignment for me is there was a trigger when something he said triggered something in me that made me respond a certain way. Now, pulling the curtain back a little bit, I do believe triggers are gifts. Triggers help you see where you need to work on, what's still unhealed, what's still really raw for you, um, what you thought you were over and you weren't. And I had a trigger. Trigger isn't about the other person who is triggering you. It's really about you. So I had to take a couple beats back, which looked like me stepping away from the conversation. You know, we ended the official conversation. I didn't walk out on the conversation. Like, okay, all right, thank you. I'll reflect on that a little bit more. I was very vocal about what I disagree with. Let me be clear. I'm not saying like, close your mouth, stuff it in. I said what I had to say in the most beautiful, compassionate way that I could say it. And then- I went and took a shower. And sometimes for me, water does some things and it helped me reset a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay. I see some value here. Still don't agree this, but I totally understood that. Oh, why did that bother me so much? Okay, I see where this is coming from. And I was able to do that in that little 15 minute shower. 
you're not always going to have an opportunity to go take a shower when you are triggered. You may have to literally go take a walk. You may have to go stretch your legs. You may have to task switch to something else that doesn't take as much of your higher executive functioning so that you can really sit in it, which might look like you know, go ahead and do your permission to pause break where you meditate or you blow bubbles for a few minutes or you pick up a straw and you do that or you go for a drive, which I found for a lot of my clients is a happy space. They love, not love driving, but they like the like quiet silo time inside the car. Um, So if you had to go to the pharmacy to get something this week anyway, go ahead. As long as you're in integrity and you're not missing any particular phone calls or webinars or meetings that are important that can't be rescheduled or moved, go ahead and push that thing up on the list to go do that errand, mainly so you can have that time to reflect and really think about where that trigger set for you. So at the end of the day, you still have to be connected to your bigger mission and vision. So yes, feedback, yes, reflection, yes, celebrating on all the things that are good from what we talked about in episode one or part one of this two-part series and in parentheses, be mindful to still be connected to your vision. Because as much as I love the water that his toes go into, at the end of the day, I have to still be in honor of my vision. And that doesn't mean that I love him less, that I don't trust him, that I don't honor him, that I don't respect his feedback. It means that it gave me what it needed to give me. And now I have to do what I ask every lazy overachiever to do, including myself, is to trust my inner brilliance of what is truly in alignment for me. And that might mean being creative with what that feedback could look like if I implemented it in a way that is in more alignment. So quality over quantity can look like that as well. It's slowing yourself down to tweak, modify, correct, um, make more excellent, not perfect, but make more excellent something that you received feedback on in a way that's still in alignment with who you are and who you are stepping into, which is already inside you, but you have to get through all that calcified chaos and corruption, all of the challenges that have literally kind of cemented over your your beauty, your brilliance, your purpose, your passion that have literally covered it. And sometimes the way to chisel away at that is to just do things in a more excellent way, even if you thought that you already know. Right. For those of you who have been with me for a little bit, you know where I'm going with that. Um, practice self-compassion. That's a, another one that I would definitely say is really important. Um, and I'm going to connect this for a minute with automation. It sounds really odd, compassion and automation. For many of us who have participated in business coaching as, as a participant, not as the um the coach, the certifier, the strategist, the consultant, not as the giver, but as the receiver in this way. Um, A lot of the incubators, um, even the really good ones that we like, unfortunately, many of them have a very high bro culture energy, even if it is run by a woman. Um, I have, I don't have issues with the phrase like boss bitch, bad bitch, all of that, like be whatever kind of bitch you want to be. It's not for me, but you know, be, be, be whatever you want. I understand the positive nature of it, the calling it out the same way I'm reframing and redefining intentionally selfish behavior, the same way I'm reframing and redefining lazy for the lazy overachiever. I totally agree with people redefining and reframing 
what being a bitch is or what being a boss is and, and all those combinations of it. Nothing wrong with it from highlight reel. As I go underneath of it, for me, a lot of it, I'm sure there are exceptions, but a lot of it has the energy of this high do, 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 go, 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 and not enough be. And I am in a space of my life with all the things that I've seen, all the things that I've experienced, all the same things that I've healed from, all the things that I've grown through, that I'm not in the energy of constantly do. That's why I'm a lazy overachiever. I'm, let me get this, because I don't have on my, my famous hoodie today. I'm balancing it, right? I'm trying to be somewhere in my meter where I feel like I'm not too heavy on overachiever and I'm definitely not too heavy on lazy, which means the way that I temper this is by honoring when I need to rest and recalibrate, right? Versus when I'm like, okay, I got some things I got to get done. They are critical. They are urgent. They are important. I've prioritized them. I've checked them off. They are parts of my longer term aligned vision. And it is important for me to complete. Yes, there is due, but I have to break that due up in appropriate and applicable segments, kind of chunks of time. We know about time blocking. We know about the Pareto principle where 20% of your uh, effort should be creating 80% of your impact. Like we, we know all those things, but do we do them? Do we run them through the filter of our inner brilliance so we can trust and then actually implement them? And that, that's the difference. So when we think about quality over quantity and we think about being compassionate with ourselves, sometimes the compassion is honoring quick body scan. I need to rest. I need to take a minute. I need to take a beat. I need to go walk the dog for 10 minutes, something. I need to go pretend to walk a dog that I don't have for 10 minutes, right? I need to put my earbuds in and pretend that I'm talking to someone, but I'm really talking to myself out loud while I'm taking this walk. Whatever it is that gives you that energy to reset, put you in nature, get some nature therapy, some nature EMDR going on, like do you, but make sure you honor that. That's that self-compassion. Also forgiving yourself for the mistakes that you made, for the times where you said I would get this done by three o'clock and maybe you got it done at three, but a week later or two days later, or you just had to move something around a little bit more than you wanted to because other priorities were kind of creeping up because we have competing deadlines, if we're honest. We're wearing multiple hats most of the time with competing deadlines that seem simultaneously just as critical, urgent, and important as the other. When you pull yourself back, slow down and pull it back, you can look at, well, where do I automate some of the things that make sense without losing intimacy? Because when you lose intimacy, especially if you run your own business or your own department and you have the entrepreneurial responsibilities of creating you know, your visibility, creating your marketing, putting yourself out there on a, a thought leadership platform, doing all that to pull business into the bigger organization that you are working with or the organization is yours, so you are working for and on kind of simultaneously, you want to make sure that you do have some things automated, something like a smarter queue that allows you to get that segmented, hopefully delegated, segmented work done to pull out the evergreen pieces and then put them in the queue to go out every 180 days. You think if you got 
200 pieces of content that came from 12 interviews or blogs that were spliced and diced and, and stretched and massaged. So its own individual piece, if you take the time to give it its own individual piece of beauty, so it has its own weight to it, and then put it in a smarter queue and put it on an evergreen mode, you actually don't have to do anything after the first three months of the year. Now, you may want to because you're prolific and you have a lot to say and you're constantly learning new things. You may want to continue to add to that queue, but you don't have to, not in a traditional sense. Maybe you just add a few seasonal things to flavor it up. But that's just something to consider when we talk about balancing ambition with your personal well-being, which was part one of of this two-part series, and then the quality over quantity, which is part two, it's really important that you look at where you can simplify. As I say that word, I know it's hard because we hear that and bro culture would say, go harder, show up everywhere, be in all the places. And sometimes people will go to extremes and say, be in the one place. Yes, you can focus on the one place, but you should have omnipresence that's using something automated maybe, maybe with AI, if you're into that and you know a little bit about that, in order to evergreen mode it so that you can have a more quality approach and be more impactful. So just something to consider. Um, Continuous learning, we talked about that. Um, And making sure, uh, this will be the last thing that I say for this one. I think we want to be in reflection at least once a quarter, if you can. If you're not already having quarterly board meetings with yourself personally, but also for your business or your um, kind of micro business, if you work in one of those organizations, like I said, where you kind of have those entrepreneurial responsibilities with all the relationship building and all the different things that you have to do, the creativity around getting your messaging out there, which is very entrepreneurial. Um, it's sometimes you have whole market marketing departments to do it, but sometimes they want you to give it to them and they'll deal with the technical aspects. They're not actually doing the meaty parts of the, the heavy content, the direction of the messaging, all of that. If that's more on you, then you'll understand this. When I say really focusing on your highest impact goal, whatever's going to create the highest impact, always having priority under critical even if that means, okay, this thing is going to take me three years to actually complete and to make it publishable or, you know, where, wherever it is that you want to take it, make sure you give it at least 20, 20 minutes on the days that you're working. You know, if you're working three days a week, then give it 20 minutes, which might look like contemplative thought and you just jot a few notes. It might be reviewing where you left off so that your subconscious is able to kind of work on creating more solutions to whatever problem came up for you for why you couldn't put more of a dent into your work for that part of the project, just give it 20 minutes. I was definitely like this for various school projects because who wants to stop in the middle of all the things they're doing to to write papers? You know, 20, 30, 40, 50 plus page papers, even if the topic is interesting, but you have all these competing priorities. So sometimes I would just pull the book, one of the various books I had to read, And with or without a highlighter, I would read a couple of pages. I would look specifically for something that I wanted to meditate on. And I would just meditate on that for 15, 20 minutes, write whatever the thought was that kind of what I call string of thought or SALT, S-O-T, that came up for me and just wrote it down, kept it in a consistent book where all of those SOTs or string of thoughts would go. 
And then when I was ready, when I actually had three hours or four hours, a chunk of time to give to the writing of that paper, I had so much already done that wasn't complete sentences and paragraphs, but could really muse me into putting a dent into whatever that chapter was that I was working on or that next aspect of the project. So if it is a high impact goal, don't push it off until you have more room. Noticing that's our grand dog, Nova, (laughs) who's who's taking a look and probably saying, okay, it's time for a walk. Um, So I'm going to listen to her body. That's calling her right now, lazy overachievers, and get get to walking her. But with that said, I just want you to be mindful of quality. So here's a few miniature tips for those of you who produce content. Beyond the splicing and dicing that we talked about, go listen to things that were, if you had the privilege of having them recorded, recorded. Go listen to an interview that you did four years ago, which in the example that I used at the top of the show The interview that the person was saying resonated with them wasn't even in 2020, 21, 22, 23, let alone 2024. It was like 2018 or 2019. I had totally forgot about that interview, but that's one of the beauties of podcasts, right? Go listen to what you said. See what comes up for you. You may be mused to go deeper in eight different things that you said on something five years ago, instead of trying to recreate, reproduce, or even splice and dice something, you might literally go deeper. And instead of recording something, which which maybe that was video and or audio, you write micro blogs around it, or you have your one platform, uh, your LinkedIn, your threads, your Instagram, wherever your places that you kind of communicate a little bit more, you engage a little bit more. And that's where you microblog what you were thinking about as you were listening to it. Maybe in one or two of the posts, you add the link to the original version of the show. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just go deeper. But do more with the little that you have and do it in a way that allows you to truly work less without constantly competing with this perfectionistic version of yourself that's telling you that it has to be some magnificent, you got to work in a a hovel for three years privately, secretly, so no one knows it before you can come out to the world. It's okay for people to see you building in real time. It's okay for you to see you building in real time. Hopefully the version of yourself in this day and age, wherever you hear this, isn't the same version of yourself six months from now, let alone a year from now, let alone five years from now. So I hope that that was a gift for you for setting the scales to no regrets so that you can live your life fully. You can embrace each and every day with boldness, but most important, you can embrace a little bit of your lazy so you can work less and trust your inner brilliance more. 